I like walked up halfway to the f- drop that Cam Zeke flipped and Kyle Strike sueed this year. And I saw him talking. I was like, no way, I'll be able to talk to him. And they were there and Cam came over. He was like, give me a hug. I know exactly. He's like, I know who you are. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. And then he was like, you ever want to do this someday? And I was like, dude, it'd be crazy if I could. And then right after that, I talked to Kyle straight and the, he was just, they were all super nice. Yeah. Top guys are just like super genuine. It's showtime, everybody. Showtime. You've been living in a dream world, Neo. Yeah. This is the world as it exists today. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Listen, we talking about practice. They peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. I see, you think this has nothing to do with you. Don't ever trash talk black Jesus. This is the Adventure Stash with Pace and McCalvin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm really excited to bring you today's episode. It's a special one. I'll explain why here in a few. But first, kind of some some fun context and background. Last year, some kind of funny looking podium photos started popping up from U.S. downhill races. Uh, some pretty familiar faces on the podium like Dakota Norton, Aaron Gwynn, uh, Greg Minar, and Lucas Shaw. And there was this new face that just looked like a kid that kind of snuck onto the podium for a photo op with some of his heroes, with some of the icons of the sport. But in fact, he belonged there because he was earning top results in those pro races, beating some of those names I just rattled off as a 15-year-old last year and 16-year-old this year. A kid from Durango, Colorado named Asa Vermette. Asa started kind of... Um, I started hearing rumblings of his name a few years ago here in the Durango scene, just that there was this super talent, yet another one coming from Durango, uh, had just unbelievable trail speed and a name to keep an eye on. And I got to finally meet him in person last year at a local Durango event, um, kind of a community appreciation event at Mountain Bike Specialist, one of our local bike shops. And uh, in the year since then, Asa has just continued to kind of shock the downhill racing world and stamp his name as a talent to really keep an eye on. And I really wanted to get him on the podcast because as he's been turning heads with really incredible results, we've all just kind of, those of us following him have just been waiting for him to be old enough to race world cups, to prove it on, on the global stage. And that's finally going to happen next year. He's finally going to get an opportunity to do so. Um, and he's doing so with the support and help of Nico Mulali, who's of course a veteran of the downhill racing scene. And now the owner of frameworks, his own frame manufacturing company and frameworks racing team, and has become just a, a really key mentor to Asa. So when we went into this conversation with Asa, I didn't actually plan on doing an interview with Nico as well. Uh, but my partner, Nicole, was in the room during the, the podcast getting some video clips, which you can find on on the Adventure Stash social media. And as we wrapped up, she said, man, it would be so cool if we could get Nico on the podcast as as well and and add it uh, to this interview because obviously we spend plenty of time talking about that relationship and I thought it would be really cool to get some context from Nico who has spent so much time in the sport 
to kind of uh, put into context what Asa is doing and add even more dimension to uh, who this young rider is and and why everyone is so excited to have him in the scene and and racing so well. So big thank you to Nico for being available just with a few hours notice. He's an absolute legend for making the time. I really am looking forward to doing a proper podcast interview with Nico as well because he has so much going on. But uh, today, the interview with Nico is very much uh, just focused on what it's been like to support and mentor Asa. So sit back, enjoy this kind of two-in-one interview with both Asa and Nico, and I'll catch you after the show. All right, Asa, we are at home in Durango, Colorado. I always love uh, getting to do podcasts at home here in Durango, especially when it's with a Durango local. Um, We've only met once before. Uh, I think it was maybe 2021. I can't remember, but it was at Mountain Bike Specialist, kind of a community event. Um, and they had a handful of just kind of the pro cyclists and in, uh, in the Durango area and some of the uh, younger up and comers. I, th- I think, well, Quinn Simmons was definitely there and Riley Amos. I don't, I can't remember if Sep was there, but you were there. Yeah. And it was the first time I met you. And, um, you hadn't quite burst onto kind of the the national scene yet, but there was there were these community sort of rumblings, like things we were hearing through the grapevine. Like there's this kid who's just got this insane speed, rides DH bikes, um, and we think he could be really good. And then it was the next year, I guess. Well, maybe it was 2021. I think it was just last year when we did that. Really? Was it last year? Yeah. Man, time flies. Anyway. You, I guess by that point, then you would have finished third at the U.S. Open. Yeah, that was right after I finished third. Oh, so you like, just gone back to yeah. Durango. Okay, so interesting. That was, okay, cool. Um, But a lot has happened since then even. And yeah. now you're, I don't know, you're probably almost a household name at this point <laughs> in the in the gravity racing world. Um. But what I'd follow that up with is you are by far the youngest guest we've ever had on the show. I did a podcast earlier this year with a 19-year-old, and I was like, congratulations, you've set the, the new record for the youngest guest. But um, you're 16 years old yep. um, and just on this really exciting trajectory. So uh, you said this is the first time that you've done a podcast, and I thought it was a really awesome opportunity to kind of introduce people to who you are beyond you know, this talent that people are talking about and the results sheet. Um, So thanks for doing this. Thanks for driving up the hill and uh, welcome to, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess the first thing I'm curious about, I'd like to get into growing up in Durango and, and um, how you got into bike riding and how you developed an interest in downhill and why you you know, ultimately focused on that when Durango is these days very much like more of an endurance sort of, uh, people identify it at least as, as sort of like an endurance crowd, um, cross country crowd. But I guess the first thing I'm curious about is just what you're feeling right now as a 16 year old who has these sponsorship opportunities coming in and, and next year you're finally eligible to, to race the world cup, the junior world cup. Um, what does it feel like to be Asa right now (laughs) dude uh I don't know it's pretty crazy to have all the sponsors coming after me um I've been looking forward to racing world cups and 
for so long just watching all the guys and tracks look so much better Looks mm-hmm. so good yeah i was finally able to go over there and watch i watched leo gang this year really year. yeah cool it was just sick to be able to see how much steeper and honestly purgatory our local mountains not much less steep than the world cup tracks which is good really yeah so it's a good like training riding place but i don't know it was just sweet to check it out and yeah. see all the guys ride yeah so you ride with the frameworks team uh, yep. which is obviously owned and managed by Nico Mulali, who has had quite the career. Um, was that opportunity to go over and watch that race uh, kind of as part of that program or how did that opportunity come about? No, yeah, for sure. I He was the one that organized it. I went over with my mechanic, Nico's mechanic, Ancho. He picked me and my dad up. We went around in like a van checking out all the... We went to... Uh, Schladming to ride. Yeah. And then I raced Innsbruck, which was a crankworks. So we did like three stops, watched. Yeah. Just rode and then I raced. It was sweet. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, rewinding two years ago, I assume you were watching the World Cups on Red Bull TV yeah. and, and all that sort of thing. Um, at what point, at what point in your, you know, riding passion and, Obviously, it's quickly becoming a career, but I, I mean, you're 16. Like, I'm in some ways, like, I feel like my job today with this interview is kind of tricky because, like, it's such a unique situation because we've seen young talents just kind of explode onto the scene, whether it's like Jackson, Goldstone, all that sort of thing. But I think you've got to be one of the youngest to really be catching attention and getting top results. So, it, in some ways, it's unprecedented. I feel like. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Or what was Jackson's, as an example, what was Jackson's trajectory like? He was a lot, like he was in tricks and like freestyle. Okay. He was doing a lot of like the Audi 9s and gnarly stuff like mm. that. So like, yeah, I mean, he's really well known before that. And then he just went into World Cups trying it out. And obviously yeah. it worked really well for him. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, I remember there was huge hype around him. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't sure how early that started. No, I mean, he definitely raced. I never really knew him until he started racing or like saw him until yeah. he started racing World Cups, but yeah. I don't know. I'm <laughs> just stuck. Yeah. So anyway, what I guess where I was going with that question originally is where at what point, so you're 16 now, were you 12 years old, 13 years old, 10 years old when you started to dream about being a racer and a top level racer? At what point did you start to have that in your mind? Probably, I mean, I rode all the way through those years, but not until like recently, like I started racing, what was it, like three years ago? My first downhill race was Tamarack, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Oh no, actually my first race was just at Purgatory. Okay. Just like a little like chocolate bunny race, I think it was called. Yeah. (laughs) But I I didn't really like want to, I guess. Like I just love riding my bike and I didn't. I watched World Cups and stuff, but I didn't like know I wanted to go there until I started racing like nationals and started doing good at those. Yeah. And then started, I don't know, getting better results. But yeah. So obviously, uh, like a five year old doesn't start out by riding DH. <laughs> um, at what point did you start to take an interest in more of the gravity side of things? Or I know you do some freestyle stuff too. When did you start to have a, a curiosity about? doing some of the more, you know, gnarly disciplines of the sport? (laughs) Uh, Probably not until later. Like I played soccer when I was a little kid and then started riding purr when I was like 12, 13, like every single day. 
with my dad and my mom just driving up there. <laughs> and then uh, just, I don't know. <laughs> it's just kind of what, yeah. I mean, at a certain point, it's hard to pinpoint like when you realize that you want to do a certain yeah. style of riding, you just sort of end up, I guess, taking the lift up and choosing, <laughs> you know, the jump line instead of whatever <laughs> no, other thing. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I When I was like dirt biking with my dad down Naztec, I dirt bike. I, I've always dirt biked like since probably longer than I've biked. Mm. And when I started getting really quick on that, I was like, All right, I could probably do this on bikes better now. So then I went to bikes and it did translate really well and started getting better. Cool. So did you ever do Devo? No, I never did Durango Devo. Yeah. Um, so at least in my experience, I remember growing up as I would do, you know, you said you played soccer. I played basketball, do some bike racing. Like my parents were always very supportive and they'd be like, oh, you're getting so much better or, you know, you're, you're really riding fast now. You know, I assume there was some of that too with, with your folks, like, man, it really seems like you're progressing. And then maybe at some point you start beating your parents, <laughs> but at what point did someone other than your family kind of mention to you, dang, you're, you're pretty fast. Uh, probably my, it was like my third or second race. I did nationals. It was like just trying it out. And mm -hmm. I snapped my chain in my run and I won by like six seconds. And there was this, uh, who was her name? I forget. But there was a lady that came up to me, like an old pro that rides for Pivot. I don't know, I don't know why I can remember her name, but she uh -huh. came up to me and was like, you're really quick. It's probably like the first one. Cool. Where was that nationals? <laughs> Winter Park, when they did in Winter Park. A couple oh, yeah. Years. Nice. Would that have been 14, 15? Yeah. Or I guess yeah, it's 15, when I was 16, 13, 14. Or the age yeah, group, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you won. I was in the younger class, yeah. 14. 13, 14. Nationals. Yeah. And then that was when I was fifth, thir 14. So then I went on to the next age group the next year. But Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so it sounds like Perg has played a really big role kind of in your interest and trajectory and all that sort of thing, um, which is, is really cool. I think a lot of times in this area, obviously, there's – really famous backcountry riding like the Colorado trail. Yeah. Obviously all of the in-town trails are a very special asset that we have that are, that's pretty unusual. Um, but I'm kind of curious, it, it sounds like it, a lot of this was just kind of driven by your parents' interest and support and, and wanting to go ride Perg. But was there anyone in the community that's kind of played a role in your interest or helped you, helped you along provided guidance, uh, anything like that. Cause I think it, it is interesting how Durango has had a very broad, you know, bike racing legacy. Obviously the first ever worlds were at Perg in 1990. Ned won XC, of course, Herbald won, uh, won DH. Both of them still live here, which is really cool. Um, Missy Giovi lived here. Obviously Tomac was very successful at DH. So there is some history, but it's not like, you know, we have, 25 professional downhill racers in town like we do XC racers or gravel racers or road racers. So I think it's really one of the things that I'm most curious about learning about is just how you've progressed so quickly um, in, in a, you know, in a town that isn't necessarily identified with like being a DH hotbed. And my, my assumption is that actually there's kind of more of a scene here than probably people realize. It's just maybe a little bit overshadowed. But yeah, yeah. if you could kind of talk a little bit about that, I think that would be cool. When I like, there's so many different kids that go up to Purgatory and ride. Like the entire, I've always ridden with Devo. Like most of those kids always ride with Purgatory every weekend in the summer. 
And I actually, when I was like 12, 13, riding with, I just started riding there a bunch. And Shane Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like riding with him a bunch, trying to keep up with him. And it was honestly probably one of the, like, they started like pushing me over, like starting like really loving it. I just always ridden with like older people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there is the collegiate. So I, th- I think Shane was on the Fort Lewis team when I was on the Fort Lewis team and there, we've had some really good like collegiate racers, you know, obviously yeah. Zach Graveson was, was yeah. in there when, when I was racing. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is like, it hasn't felt like there's all these amazing places to shuttle per se. Like I know there's some stuff in log shoots, Obviously, there's Perg. I've heard that there's some cool stuff on Middle Mountain. Yeah. Um, but I have to assume, like, there's some pretty awesome secret pockets that you guys have developed um, over the last few years. You don't have to, like, I'm not asking <laughs> you to blow up your spot. But um, is it, like, other than Shane Ellis, like, who are some people who have kind of, is it your parents who have been like, hey, I heard there's trails out here that we should go check out? Or is it really mostly been Perg that you've kind of mostly. cut your teeth on? Probably mostly my parents, honestly, just riding with them every day. At Perg, yeah, cool. Yeah, and like different, like, I mean, my mom ride cross country and like up in the mountains all the time. Mm-hmm. And then me and, my, me and my dad just like shuttles. He Nowadays he rides the e-bike and I try to keep up with him. Nice. He, he like pushes me up the hills and stuff. Yeah, that's a really good way to stay fit. Nicole <laughs> and I do that sometimes too. Man, you could absolutely suffer. <laughs> For that's sure. Cool. That's cool. So when was the... You mentioned 13, 14 nationals, but when was the, is there, is there a point you can look back on where you thought to yourself, man, maybe I, maybe I can do this at a really high level. Maybe I do have, have some talent that's worth exploring. Yeah, for sure. The next year in 15, 16, when I went back, I was like riding my downhill bike every day almost. So I was like definitely getting better at it. And I was in seating. I like beat Aaron Gwynn by like, Point one. Is this a uh, U.S. Open? Sorry, no, and just Nationals last year. Oh, Nationals last year, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Last year, yeah, at yep. Winter Park, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I was like, holy, I guess I can actually do this. But then in my race run, I crashed, so I wasn't really able to like prove it. But I knew that I could do it. So that was probably the one I could say. Yeah. Did Gwen chat with you at all at the yeah. race? Yeah, after like at podiums, he was like, dude, I was looking at times, and I was like, oh, no, I better go faster today. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool yeah what has the reaction been like from from some of these guys so for example this year for those that don't know you were second at the u.s open which is um that's probably the biggest dh race in the states yeah um i have to assume maybe obviously with the exception of the world cup um but what's the and sorry you were second there um dakota won yeah you say Gwen was third, or uh, Greg Greg Minar was third. Joe Breeden and Jackson Goldstone. Yeah, which is unreal. I mean, so Greg is one of, if not the greatest ever. Yeah. Um, Jackson was the only one to win two World Cups this year. Yep. What is the reaction of those guys when they see? Sorry, but this kid, <laughs> like you are, definitely a kid. <laughs> What is the reaction from them? Uh, I mean, they're all super nice. Whenever, like, they're all super nice dudes. When I came across the finish line, Jackson was like giving me a hug, and they were just like hyping me up. Greg came over, gave me a hug, and we talked to him quite a bit. Me, and my mom, after the race. But uh, I mean, they're all super cool. Do they have any of them kind of given any guidance? Or 
obviously Nico is the yeah, Nico. the one that's kind of been a mentor and I'm I can't wait to to talk about that relationship a little bit but any of those other guys have they had any words of wisdom or are they just kind of uh letting you do your thing no oh, yeah just mostly like just like riding with them on the track is sick like just being able to see like what they're doing right I got I like caught up to Jackson because like he was just like first lap or something and got to see what he was doing it's just cool to be on the track with those guys that I watch on TV all the time. Yeah. Have you been able to pick up on anything from them? Yeah, for sure. Like just watching them ride, just seeing like what their like style is and what their position on their bike is definitely helped me. Mm-hmm. Like just to like get better in like corners and different stuff. Yeah. Anything specifically that, that you've noticed? Like when you were riding behind Jackson, was there anything that you saw? We're like, well, that's different than I would have oh, yeah. guessed. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Jackrabbit, man. He when I was following him through a section where I would just like go straight through it, he was bouncing back and forth, left or right. Huh. It was crazy. Like I mean, it works for him, but I yeah. definitely would not do that. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that I really enjoy watching um, with DH racing is just all of the different styles. For sure. Like if you see one person go down a track and then the very next person has a completely different way of tackling it. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, like Dak, Dakota Norton, like we all like, we all like, <laughs> like, yeah, you're taking inside, right? And then Dakota's like, no, I'm going all the way outside, man. Yeah. He's like, he's always taking weird lines. I don't know if he's like trying to like save him for race run. Oh, and, interesting. But uh, in practice, he's always going like crazy outside and different ones. <laughs> Do you feel like, you have a style yet or are you still kind of discovering and exploring what your riding style is i i don't really know i'm just just i'm usually just like mainline trying to go as fast as i can Mm -hmm. nico every time we do track walk he's like mainline with confidence interesting yeah (laughs) cool yeah so let's talk about nico a little bit so obviously nico has had some really legendary races in his day um he's also someone who has a lot of interests um and has this project frameworks um obviously he's really passionate about and um he's taken you under his wing um that's your your team sounds like your team for the next two years i don't know if that's breaking news but obviously we'll get into what your next two years are going to be looking like which is really exciting but first i'd kind of like to hear about how that relationship came about um and just what it's been like to to have nico to learn from yeah i first met him the last year at us open i beat him and after podiums he was like you want to stay tomorrow and ride my bike and uh, me and my dad were like yeah we're not doing anything tomorrow and just riding with him that day was sweet it got all rainy it was scary because we don't usually get rain out here yeah so i was like pushing myself and he was like following but it was a sweet day and that was when i first met him but uh, just from then, just I've been to like North Carolina riding with him a bunch since then. And like, I don't know, he's a super cool guy. Just riding those frames too are super cool. I, I've never like ridden a bike that's that good. Interesting. What do you think? So for those that don't know, basically Nico is, is hand building yep. frames exactly like he wants them. Yeah. So he brings like he goes to Frank the Welder. He, he, he welds them up and then, yeah, there, there it is. <laughs> so we can, it's fine if we get super technical right now. People often eat that stuff up. So <laughs> what is it about these frames that you feel like is setting them apart other than they're completely custom made for the rider? 
it's just like and whenever you're on a factory team and you ask them like uh, i haven't been able just like listening to nico um they can't like change the frame as much to like the rider's preference like they have like standards or whatever and it's sick for nico because he can do whatever he wants it's his company his frame so i mean he can make it exactly how he wants exactly how it wants to ride on the track and stuff so i don't know it's super cool yeah it feels really good yeah and i know he he gets really really detailed about it like i yeah. i think a couple months ago he was talking about trying to flip the shock right yeah. Yeah, and so now instead he's putting it like upside down and at like a ninety degree angle. I am not that like I <laughs> not that good at that type of stuff. Like I can't remember all the numbers and everything. But you have time to learn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are there some specifics about your bike setup that are unique? Like, have you? I know you're still so new to it, but at this point, have you kind of figured out any specific things that you really like in a bike setup? I definitely like like stiffer suspension. Mm. and a little bit longer reach on my downhill bike than my other bikes just because then it feels like more uh, i don't know like stable i guess mm -hmm. but my bike isn't much different from nico's like just a little bit shorter reach because i'm a little shorter than him and less like different spring in the spring right in the back he's running like a 550 i'm running a 500 so interesting different stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and then are those uh high pivot they're like Frames? The most high pivot, not one you can get, I guess, is what he's always like. There, they don't have a high pulley at all. Okay, we there's just like a normal frame design. Yeah, it's four four bar linkage design. Yeah, cool, cool. So one of the things that's obviously a big change right now is you're learning the industry. Like that's a, um, I remember that phase when you start to kind of develop connections and you you learn both the the business side of the sport but also kind of the relationship side and how at a certain point it is like one big family in a way um what has it been like to go out to dinner with the fox guys for example and learn from them and have you picked anything up from nico about that aspect of things like are you starting to think about how to conduct yourself as a professional also or are you mostly just focused on kind of developing as an athlete still at this point yeah i'm still just mostly focused on developing as an athlete like i'm not really trying to, i'm not focused on like how the bike is exactly like how it's working i just want to ride it down the hill as fast as i can yeah <laughs> that's probably good at your age. <laughs> is there anything in that regard that nico's been able to help you with like whether it's a mindset thing or a training thing or uh just how you how you approach racing at this point as an athlete yeah i just every time you're at the top of the start gate just like try to be as chill and as calm as you can and like i don't know he's helped me out like we've got a trainer up there i've never done that my first time with it was probably at the u.s open i like sat on it used it for a little bit it's a bit weird so i didn't do it as long as he did but <laughs> <laughs> like doing a proper warm-up yeah like just like spinning on the little trainer for like he did like 30 minutes and i was like hopped off in like five and i was like my legs are getting tired i don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's great what does training look like for you at this point are you following a training plan at all or is the focus mostly just on playing because you're in this interesting phase where you're competing with the top professionals in the world but you know i, I don't know how it is on the dh side of things but at least for for the endurance side of things like the the rule of thumb is that you really don't start focusing on training like 
you can focus on the fitness side too soon. Um, and that's always been something that Devo has, has preached big time is you play definitely until like you're a U23 or so. Obviously in downhill, there's, you know, 18 and 19 year olds that are competing at the highest level at the World Cup and all that sort of thing. So I think that timeline probably gets pushed up a little bit. But where are you right now in terms of focus on training versus just keeping it fun and, and playing and, and kind of exploring what your potential is? Yeah. So like the last couple of years, I've been just like having fun. And I mean, I'm still in. I just love running my bike. But I like after the U.S. Open and being up at the first like at all the splits by like a second and in the last pedally bit I was down by a second I was like all right I gotta start training more before World Cup <laughs> so I yeah I'm getting a trainer um for next year I'll be doing it all throughout the winter just me and my mom are gonna go check out 24-hour fitness after this nice <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go do that but yeah cool yeah. so you haven't really done much training yet to this point no I mean just like pedaling uphill I guess is the most and like dirt biking is a lot of tr like big workout so how do you choose day to day what you're going to do? It sounds like you're going to go for a ride with your mom here after this. Yep. Do you have anyone that's giving you any guidance about, hey, today you're going to go do X number of laps at per tomorrow? You're going to go ride, you know, whatever cross country trail. Is there any guidance like that? Or are you just waking up in the morning and saying, oh, today I feel like doing this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just wake up in the morning and like sometimes I want to go dirt jump. I want to go like hit big stuff on my bike or just go for a trail ride with my mom or my dad or something like that yeah dirt biking in the winter yeah yeah cool um so going into next year you there's kind of been this funny phase for the last couple of years where you've proven that you have the speed to compete at the highest level um or at least explore what that that could be like but you haven't been a, a allowed to line up at world cups because you've been too young yeah um, next year you'll be racing age 17. So you'll be able to do the junior world cup for the first time. Um, what, what are you thinking about all that? How are you feeling going into next year? I'm just so I've been like this entire year been looking, I've, I don't know. I just can't wait to ride, dude. I've like been so stoked and looking at all like the junior racers and I've like raced against Pinkerton, like Ryan Pinkerton. He did really good this year. He did, he won four of them. He won the overall. I raced in the beginning of the year, just comparing my times to them, but it's not like anything like the world Europe downhill tracks. Like it's going to be so totally different. I can't wait to see what I can do on those super gnarly ones. Yeah. So kind of for people that don't know, describe how the European world cup tracks are different than a lot of what you've uh, raced, been able to race on so far. Yeah. So the most U S is like kind of flatter, I guess, compared to Europe. The Europe is like, just so much faster it that's what people have been saying to me like it's just a lot higher speed rougher you just gotta i don't know gotta be ready for it yeah <laughs> like i think honestly the closest track to europe is purgatory really because which trail world cup yeah yeah cool <laughs> yeah so for people that haven't ridden world cup can you kind of describe it like what's the terrain like what are the rocks like what features are there I mean, I can describe the entire track if you want. I've ridden let's it so walk through it. Let's Let's hear it. Uh, the first, there is like a sick like road gap in the beginning. It goes into some super chunky, well, not chunky, like just brake bumpy. It's because we've been riding the exact same spot for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just super rough. And I did like a GoPro 
and like did like the speed thing on the GoPro. It was like 35 miles per hour going through that. And then it drops into some steeper, rudier, like kind of like, like almost like a skid trail. That's been really roughed out because it's the same, same thing. And it, there's, it's kind of like that the rest of the way, man. It purgatory is super shelfy. Yeah. As you know, so yeah, it, it kind of has goes big, like, like steep, limestone. Flat. Yeah. Yeah. And in the steep bits, it's like just like world cups, three foot drops to like steep catch, catch berms and like yeah. loose. Yeah. Have you ever ridden it when it's super wet? I've only ridden it like twice. Okay. Like it was like, cause usually the lift closes when it starts getting super rainy and lightning. And, uh, uh, me and my friend went up there and it was like scary. It was like a, there was like a river going down the trail. It was gnarly. But Have you done any races that are super wet yet? How do you feel like that? Do you think that's something that will require a bit of a learning curve or do you feel like you just, there's just some talent there that you can just kind of figure it out? Cause I remember back in the day I had a couple of old, uh, DVDs like DH race DVDs. There was this Earthed series. It was called like Earth Two, Earth Three. Um, yeah, I've seen that. yeah, you know those. And I remember, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, there was a race. It might have been like Schladming, like '09 or something. And Sam Hill, it was wet, and Sam Hill just absolutely <laughs> annihilated everyone. Yeah. And the announcer said something about like it doesn't make sense that he's this good in the mud because like there's no mud that you can ride in Australia. <laughs> um, but he just had this natural ability to ride that stuff, like crazy legendary natural yeah. mud riding ability. Um, do you like riding mud despite, you know, Durango not really having great opportunities for that? Yeah. Well, so my first race probably in the mud was Port Angeles, Washington last year. I was, I mean, it started raining super hard right before the race run. I was like, all right, we're just going to see how it goes. And it's not much different than riding in the dust here. Hmm. Like the dust and like sliding around just like the roots are sketchier in the rain, but uh, you just got to let your bike do its thing and hopefully it goes in the right direction. That's actually a really good point. I'd never thought of that. Yeah. Our, when we go through a drought phase here being in the Southwest, that dust gets treacherous. So slippery. It's pretty not, it's pretty much the same too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a world cup round? Well, actually, okay. So going into next year, what is the plan? Like, are you, just sending it and doing a full world cup schedule or are you going to kind of pick and choose races what's the strategy going into next year yeah i'm going to be doing all the world cups i've i've got a schedule from nico we're gonna my first one what is the first one yeah fort williams in i don't know when it is uh but so yeah i'll be doing all of them i stoked for it how crazy is it to just hear yourself say that i'm gonna go do i'm gonna go race fort william (laughs) Yeah, I've been watching it for so long too, man. It's yeah. gonna be insane. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Interesting. Um, so what does school look like when yeah. you're when you're 17 years old and you're racing a full World Cup schedule? I mean, your mom's sitting here in the room. What uh, what's school gonna look like? I'm so I'm homeschooled. I've been since sixth grade. Mm-hmm. This just this year, we've decided. I've been like focusing on downhill as much as I can mm-hmm. and I'm going to be studying for my GED. I'm just going to try to get my GED, GED when I turn 17. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, is it hard for you to, to stay focused on school ever? Would oh you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's like a nice day like this, I can go ride my bike. Man, this fall is crazy, right? It feels like, I don't know, 
September or something. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> really cool. Um, is there a track that you're most excited for next year? Is there anything that you have in the back of your mind or have circled on the calendar? Like this is this is the one that I just can't wait to check out in person. Yeah, Val de Sol. It's going to be insane. I've always watched that track and just said, like, it just looks so fun to ride. The, hopefully, it's usually dusty. Like, that's what I want. It, it's going to be insane. Why? What do you think has you the most excited? Like, what about that track is unique? Super steep, super chunky. Like, I've always done better in, like, the super rough areas of the track. Like, smooth sections, everybody's always pretty much the same. Whenever it gets chunky, at least in the races in the U.S., I've always excelled in that area. But uh, I don't know. I'm just stoked to race that track, dude. It's going to be crazy. Cool, man. So before we were recording, we were talking about some sponsor-related stuff and what it's been like for you to navigate that. Obviously, your your parents um, have been a huge help just kind of helping you navigate all that because um, you're already having to make some decisions. Um, can you talk a little bit about the decision to sign, uh, for the next two years with frameworks and, and why you wanted to stick with Nico's program? Cause I understand that you had, uh, some different options already, which is pretty wild at 16 years <laughs> old. Um, what made you decide to, to stick with that program? Yeah, I well, So the, f this just, just this year was my first year riding with frameworks. We didn't really sign anything. He just sent me frames. And uh, it was, uh, Nico is just such a cool guy. It's, he made me feel like part of the Frameworks family right when I first met him. It was a pretty de easy decision for me. Like, my mom is super in, like, we were talking about before we got on, it's like family. I could just go over there with them and she'll send me over there with, not even worrying. But, yeah. and I just love, like, <laughs> Ancho, the mechanics, hilarious. They're all just cool to hang out with. Logan, Nico's brother. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like you're you're prioritizing just a really like comfortable, reliable environment. Yeah, um, and that's almost like in the most important thing for racing. Like you don't want to have to be focused on like different stuff besides racing. You just want to be focused on the one thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You want to feel comfortable. For sure. What's it been like? Because I remember when I was 16, uh, I definitely wasn't podiuming at high profile national, you know, the biggest races in the country and, and beating a bunch of the greats, I think. So I was, I was racing in Texas, uh, junior XC stuff. And I think I had like this podium bonus program where I got credit at a bike shop. Oh, like sick. if I was on, if I was on a podium, like I've, I don't know, I would get like 250 bucks credit to the bike shop and I'd go buy a new set of tires or, and I remember there was one year where, I did really well and I saved up and I bought myself a new wheel set. Um, you won 7,500 bucks yeah. at the U S open. I'm sure you've won other prize money elsewhere. I don't know if you have any brands that are paying you at this point, but you're, you're making real money. Um, what does a 16 year old do with thousands of dollars? I definitely didn't have thousands of dollars as a 16 year old. I, I'm just, I'm probably the money I made from the US Open. I'm probably just going to save that. Like I, I honestly, before I went, I wanted to buy a Suron. Fun. <laughs> but my dad already bought one before we went. So I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> nice. Nice. But um, my other sponsor, I, I'm sponsored by Envy for mm -hmm. this year. 
and they were paying me same with all most of my other company like Renin was mm-hmm. my clothing for the past two years BC goggles mm-hmm. they were all paying me to and supporting me to go to races and stuff because yep. without it it's pretty hard for sure yeah racing is crazy expensive yeah cool yeah fair enough saving I mean, it sounds <laughs> like a great great policy <laughs> cool man um let's talk a little bit about some of your other bike interests because i saw uh, a couple of pretty crazy videos of you from the desert during rampage i know you were there watching sounds like you've gone for a few years now to yeah. watch um and you are sending some some pretty solid drops did you 360 something as well like 360 450 and 360 my downhill bike yeah and, like flip my downhill bike yeah so the moment I saw that, I was like, oh man, we have another Brendan Faircloth on our hands or you know, G or whatever example you want to use. Um, and I've seen you, so there's this really cool zone kind of north side of Durango, uh, this private jump line area. And I guess there's an indoor skate park and stuff called yeah. Deadwood that I know you spend a lot of time at just kind of riding free ride and playing and all that sort of stuff. And obviously there's a lot of the the racers that, seem to use that just because they really enjoy it, but also it, it helps their racing, it seems like, to an extent. Do you have any interest in the free ride stuff? Like, do you foresee doing the racing thing and kind of dropping in for a free ride thing here and there? Or is it mostly just a, a fun way to change it up? Um, I really do like just riding my bike. Like, when <laughs> over at Dennis Martin's, like last year, I couldn't even imagine doing a flip. Like I could do three sixties, but going upside down was like the weirdest thing. <laughs> just the beginning of this year when there was still snow, I landed my first flip into the foam and then brought it to dirt down NASDAQ. And then just like a week ago, I got a double flip into the, into the foam. A double flip. <laughs> yeah. Dude. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've definitely progressed in the free ride area, but I, I love, I just love riding my bike as much as I can. And if I can do it free ride or downhill, I love both. So Yeah. Cool. So I know when you were at Rampage, some of the the top guys were chatting with you a little bit. Did you, what was it like visiting with them? Who were some of the guys you were chatting with and were they trying to kind of coax you towards the free ride thing at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like walked up halfway to the f- drop that Cam Zeke flipped and Kyle Strike sued this year and uh, the old icon center. And I saw him talking. I was like, no way, I'll be able to talk to him. And they were there and he like, Cam came over. He was like, give me a hug. I know exactly. He's like, I know who you are. Really? Like, yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. And then he was like, you ever want to do this someday? And I was like, dude, it'd be crazy if I could. And Todd Barber was standing there, the guy that puts on the event. Yeah. And he was like shaking his head. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. What is it like to have those moments where Cam Zink is coming over and saying, I know who you are and gives you a hug? Like. What is it even like to process a moment like that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, dude. I just, I just went with it. It was sick. And then right after that, I talked to Kyle straight. And the, he was just, they were all super nice. Yeah. Top guys are just like super genuine dudes. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's amazing how much respect you've, you've garnered so quickly. You know, I think I'll, just kind of what I'm hearing is just people are in such awe at how, how quickly you've, you've gotten to that level. And I think everyone is just so stoked for you. Like, Hey, who is this kid? And, and B man, it's so cool to have this huge talent. That's a 16 year old just up here with us, just <laughs> hanging out, doing his thing and going crazy fast and throwing a 360 or a flip now and then. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, so right after I talked to Cam 
like that afternoon he was like so you like flipped your dj and downhill or like uh through your dj and stuff i was like yeah i haven't flipped my downhill bike yet so then that night i was like all right i gotta do this went over to a step up and then i flipped my downhill bike and threw my downhill bike because cam yeah he was like the conversation with cam yeah it just like pushed me to do it that is so cool <laughs> interesting yeah has has nico been like yo dude you need to pump the brakes a little on uh on the on the flips yeah. and threes no he was like if you get into rampage i'll dig for you no way yeah. oh man yeah. that is this is the right team for you yeah. that is awesome yeah that's sweet man boy wouldn't that be an interesting uh decision to have to make do i do i focus on rampage or race world cup it'd be sick to do both eh? be sick, sick to do both <laughs> so brendan does both yep how many how many world cup rounds did G do this year? Because he did a couple, right? I think he only did one, one or two not. races because he got. You saw his crash in like the beginning yeah. of this year, it was super gnarly, and then he wasn't able to get back until later. Yeah. And then, um, Brendan, like Brendan Fairclaw, have done it. Yeah, Fairclaw. I mean, he's been racing forever. Yeah, and doing Red Bull Rampage for a long time too. Yeah, and then I also just learned recently that um, Bernard Kerr. Yeah. He's like obviously really good. He did yeah. a lot of podiums this year and he's done Red Bull Rampage. Yeah. I love that guy's. He's so like just tech, like his crazy yeah. nose manny <laughs> stuff and just. He's really good on a moto too. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. He's just all around like honestly the steeziest rider in the World Cup. So, so steezy. It's crazy. Yeah. he. I mean, he rides a DH bike almost like BMX style. Right, yeah. Yeah, crazy precise. <laughs> um, is there someone that rides free ride that you think would be really cool to watch race? Like, do you think that there's someone who's free ride primary that could cross over? Anyone who you feel like just has some crazy raw speed? Dude, um, you know uh, Braga Vestavik? Mm, He's yeah. like super crazy. Like, he did Red Bull, did Red Bull Rampage last year. Yeah. And, I mean, all his video parts he's going really fast in it so it'd be yeah. insane to see him race well I, but i mean he could totally dip yeah yeah that's cool i've heard of people kind of having curiosity about what seminar could do yeah yeah um and i know uh, uh what's his name why am i blanking he won rampage year before last uh and then retired oh uh brett reader brett reader yeah didn't he race uh Crankworks DH and do super well a couple oh, of years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Seminuk and Brett Reader def. I mean, all those guys, they know how to ride a bike. For sure. <laughs> really well. They could totally race downhill. Yeah. No doubt. Different mindset. I guess. Yeah. Cool, man. What else? Yeah. Yeah. What, what has it been like to, cause it's, that's a really good question. Um, Cause it's one thing to just love riding fast and, you know, ride the lift up at Perg and just bomb down and push yourself a little more each lap, having the time of your life. But when you have to focus in and it's race run time and you have one chance, what has it been like to kind of explore that headspace and start to develop, you know, the focus required to, to race at a yeah. high level like that? Yeah. I'm, I love the pressure. Like being the last person at the top is really good. 
I don't know. It's like just all the pressure to get the one run exactly how you need to do it is, I, I don't know. I just thrive off that, I guess. I really love it. And I guess, honestly, when I was like, when I just ride for fun, I probably go just as fast as I would. Mm. Just because like you're not focused, you're not thinking about it. You're just in the flow. And then when you're like fully focused, you're like trying just to push yourself as hard as possible. But I don't know. I feel like if you just have fun with it, like every time at the top, I'm like, just get down. This is another run. This is going to be fun. Yeah. And usually like at the top, all everybody's like, are you nervous? And I'm, I'm, I'm always like, no, nah, dude, I just want to go ride another lap. Dude, it is so much fun last lap. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Dang. So he loves the pressure. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. Man, I'm so excited to watch you. It's going to be so cool to have a DA tracer from Durango again. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, congrats on your first podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll be doing many more. <laughs> yeah. Over the next couple of years. When I listen to, it, I'll probably be cringing the entire time. But ah, it's fine. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Just got to rip off the band aid. <laughs> Thanks, Asa. Keep up the good work. Yeah, See you around you. town. And what's your ride plan this afternoon? What are you guys going to go ride? I'm talking my mom into doing Halfland. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I think I'm going to go out and back. We're going out and back on the ridge first. <laughs> out and back on the ridge? Yeah. Oh, your mom is gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Dang. <laughs> what bike are you riding today? My Frameworks Enduro bike. Cool. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about Enduro Nationals. Oh, shoot. You're freaking Enduro National Champion. <laughs> All you did was have to beat Richie Root. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. I, at the Enduro race, I was like every single lap. I wasn't feeling like the best. I was feeling just like having fun on my bike, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like just cruising. And the timing wasn't working on the phone. Like we were, there was like a glitch or something. I don't know. It wasn't working at all. There's no service back at Rod yeah. Rock Creek. And um, we didn't know until the podium who won or who got on the podium. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so then they brought out the papers and I was on the top spot. It was by point one. Point, like, yeah, 0 0.1 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> over 14 and a half minutes. Yeah. Over three time world champion. How many times has Richie won the EWS? He just won the overall this year. I don't know how many other times he's won. He's, yeah. He's, I mean, he's. <laughs> gnarly guy yeah he's like i asked him how much he weighs and he's like big i love richie he's, yeah. he's such a nice guy yeah and you were telling me earlier that you literally were doing practice runs together that yeah. weekend yeah so the next day after national that's the enduro national champs there was downhill and we were practicing riding together me nico and richie just doing laps that's Sweet. so cool and explain quickly why you decided to race enduro nats when obviously it's not really enduro isn't really your focus. Yeah. So actually, the weekend before I did the purgatory enduro at just just in purgatory, what was it the BME, and I won that one in pro. And then Nico called and he was like, "You might as well try the enduro in Ride Rock Creek for nationals." And it was like because the schedule worked out between the two, mm -hmm. downhill and enduro. So I tried it, and he was like, "Luckily, you tried it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because you weren't allowed to race the pro DH nats. No, yeah, because it's uh, the, for some reason the enduro wasn't a UCI sanctioned race, and the downhill was, so I wasn't able to race downhill. Yeah, that's cool. Well, congrats, man. Are you? 
going to try to sneak in any enduro races next year with having the jersey and all? <laughs> It'd be crazy, yeah. Um, but uh, maybe if we have time and there's like like EWR we can do, it'd be sick. Yeah. Is there a, a round that you'd pick based on that schedule? Because there's really cool venues yeah. all over. I mean, obviously there's the ones in Tasmania and Finale is super famous. I don't know if we'd go like far from where the downhill races are, but if there's one close by and it's kind of like mixed in with the downhill, maybe it would work out. But I honestly... I've never really watched the EWRs at all. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where any of them are. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, we should get you out of here. You're off to shred with your mom, <laughs> OG yeah. training partner. <laughs> yeah. She said you're going to do a warm-up of an out-and-back on the ridge. Yeah, so like we could climb up, up the gnarly. <laughs> and then come out and back and then drop in. You know you can climb Skyline and then just descend the ridge, right? rather than out and back that's so intense i know a couple of people that like voluntarily do that but it's literally only a couple people (laughs) that's pretty intense that's cool for those that don't know raiders ridge is this basically just like a rock pile for a handful of miles yeah and most people climb up the ridge and then kind of descend because it's sort of like false flatty down but you can do it as an out and back and then it's like a gradual climb, but it's so physical and so techy. That's so badass that that's the ride you're going to do with your mom. <laughs> Things are starting to make sense a little more. Right? <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, cool, man. Well, I'm so excited to follow you next year. Um, congratulations on everything. Uh, where can people follow you if they wanna if they wanna follow along? Yeah, I'm, I have an Instagram. It's just my name, Asa Vermet, and that's really the only thing I post on or anything like that. But yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, the floodgates are are now open. Prepare for uh, lots of <laughs> podcast interview requests. And uh, yeah, I look forward to following along next year and hopefully seeing you around town a bit too. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. We got to go for a ride. Oh, that's a great idea. We yeah. should do that. I wonder where I would choose to ride. <laughs> Probably not Halfland. Jason was just saying he wanted to practice learning to jump. Oh, God. Okay. So here's something pretty embarrassing. <laughs> go to Dunces. You're, you're going to laugh. Which is fine. Uh, so you you know the new Gulch flow trails? Yep. So we've had we have so little of that style trail in Durango, yep. obviously, and I just don't spend much time jumping at all. Like when when I jump, it's because there's a jump on a race course that I just have to do. <laughs> like I just don't gravitate towards it. So we went out and we we've been out of town forever. So we went out and we checked out the new Gulch flow trails, and the the beginner trail is super mellow, obviously, and like the jumps are very very. It's like the most beginner possible, yep. which is awesome. And then I did the intermediate and I was like, whoa, some of these are pretty long. And I was just casing everything. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm really glad no one is watching right now. <laughs> so I might might need to... We should go ride those, yeah. Yeah, follow your speed in a little bit. Get my air confidence up a bit. Dude, those <laughs> ones are good for like training, I guess, too. You have to sprint so much to clear all those. They're pretty long. I, I'm kind of glad to hear you say that because like the entire trail, you have to be like on the gas crazy yeah cool man all right have fun riding and uh thanks for doing this yeah for sure thank you okay so here with nico i think i gave you about three hours notice on this but i'm really uh stoked that you were game to jump on quickly um as we're wrapping up with asa my partner nicole was like man it'd be so cool if we could get nico on to just share a few words about you know 
your perspective on on Asa a little bit and why, other than the obvious that he caught your eye and what it's like to be a mentor to him. So, um, hello, be great to do a real podcast with you soon. But right now, we're here to talk about sixteen year old kid. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Let's do a quick intro, just because we never have had you on the podcast. Um, a, a lot of people will be familiar with you, of course, but if you want to just give a quick thumbnail sketch of how long you've been racing, what your experience has been like on the World Cup, what you're doing now, that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, I live in Pisgah Forest, North Carolina, and I've been racing the World Cup series since I was 17. So when I was old enough to race junior, I was able to get on to the Trek team and race for various teams in my career and been doing it for the past 14 years since then. So it's been, uh, it seems like it's gone by so quick. That just seems like yesterday that I was doing that. Um, but now I've been involved with a bunch of other things within the industry. I've organized a bunch of races. I have two bike parks that I own in North Carolina. And most recently I've been developing my own race frames. So the frames are called Frameworks Racing. And we haven't sold any yet, but um, we've been just working on developing them. And I have such a passion for the, the frame development, the engineering, and the R&D that goes into it. And through that, um, I was doing that all on my own last year, doing all the racing myself, and noticed Asa coming through the ranks and uh, asked me wanted to test ride my bike. And he, he loved it and uh, has been racing it ever since, so kind of a yeah. little background on me and how that transitions into Asa. Yeah, that's super cool. So I, I don't know, I guess I didn't realize you were so young when you signed with Trek Factory too. Um, there's been obviously a lot of, a lot of hype around him. Um, and I don't want to like get suckered into too much hyperbole here. And I feel like you're kind of the perfect person to maybe kind of put into context um, just how much hype we should be putting on him as a talent. And also, it's a tough thing, too, to... Uh, he'll start feeling some pressure, I think, too. That's one thing we talked about. He's like, I love the pressure. I want to drop in last, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. Sounds like he was born to be a DH racer. But, um, I mean, I, I know how the media can be and starting to put pressure on racers is, like, the next big thing. And presumably living up to that can be pretty tough. Um, and that'll be... I assume part of your job, just kind of helping him navigate all that as um, a junior racer that was, you know, hyped up when you were coming into the ranks and immediately signed with a factory team. Can you kind of put into perspective a little bit for us how much of a talent he is? Like we see these crazy photos of him, you know, on the podium with a head of like Minar and Jackson or Gwyn or whatever. And, the photos almost don't look real. It's like there's this kid that's like standing on the podium above all of these icons. Um, how unprecedented is it? Like, were you in a similar position or is he doing something that's like quite unusual in your opinion? Um, I, I'd say that, you know, every year there's fast juniors coming. Jackson Goldstone came in two years ago and it was incredible. Um, when I, when I was junior, me and Troy Brosnan were the same age and I had actually some better results when I was 16, so I was probably hyped up to be coming in strong to the junior ranks. But I'd say the one thing that's unique about Asa is that, that you can't really 
quantify in numbers is his talent on the bike. Like when you watch him ride, the harder the tracks get, the the more he excels. And a lot of the tracks that we race here or that he has had a chance to race in the U.S. aren't as hard as those World Cup tracks. And when he has such good balance on the bike, such good awareness, that's when when the when the conditions get tougher, he really can separate himself. And I, I do believe that he is something special and that he deserves all the hype and probably more than he's getting. But... Mm-hmm. He's also got to go out and do it next year. Like there's a there's a big difference between having all the ingredients and actually coming through. He's done it every time he's had to this year. Um, he's he's put himself in some pretty high pressure situations, racing Richie at Root at Enduro Nationals, racing Gwyn at um, the one of the opening downhill southeast races where all the guys were doing uh, the the pre race for the season, and then at the U.S. Open with all the syndicate there. Um, and each one, he's like delivered his best run. So he's very good at that. Like me- the mental combined with the technical skills that he has um, is what's going to set him apart when it comes to racing. But you never know what happens. Like he could get an injury. He could um, just see some trouble with his racing. Um, it's it's hard to say. I, I don't predict that. Um, and I just, he's at an age where he doesn't think about any of that stuff. He just thinks yeah. about all the the good things and i want to make sure that it doesn't get overwhelming because like you know as well like when you get older you get to a stage where you can overthink stuff and i want to keep that youthful um enthusiasm that he has but just add some maturity of uh you know like i said do it when it counts don't do too much let's focus on the the big things yeah for sure cool What's one thing that you'd like to share about Asa that people probably don't know, just like personality-wise or a fun story when y'all were on some trip together? Um, I mean, everybody that's met him would probably know that he's a nice kid, but he really is such a good, respectful kid. Uh, and it's tough when, when you're that good and everybody around you tells you how good you are. It's sometimes hard to stay humble, and I've seen it from other riders before. But he is such a nice, humble kid. Anybody who hangs out around the pit, he'll have time to talk to them. Um, It doesn't matter who they are. He'll do a lap down the trail. He'll love to ride with you. Um, And he's just so disciplined on time for everything. Like we did a couple days testing suspension, and I was like, all right, we got to leave at uh, 7.15 tomorrow. And at 6.30, he was at the breakfast table with his knee pads on and his helmet and his bag in his hand. Like, he's, <laughs> he's just on it. You don't have to awesome. hound him to do anything. And uh, he's just a pleasure to be around. So I really look forward to hanging out with him more. And it's been awesome thus far. I don't think I could ask for a better kid to be on my team as a teammate, as a team owner, like everything, it's just, uh, it's really a pleasure to work with him. And what's really cool for me is that he came into my program and my life. I didn't really go out looking for him and he was the mm-hmm. absolute perfect fit. I wasn't trying to find a teammate or trying to find a rider to represent my brand. He just came along and at the right time was progressing so fast that it was the perfect fit. So um, I think that's th- those natural fits are, are the ones that you really need. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. If you had to think back on your 
life then, you know, when you were a 17 year old and signed to a factory team, jumped into the deep end with the world cup, all that sort of thing. And now, you know, being a decade plus on from that, um, and now kind of like in a way going through the process again with Asa as he heads into his first world cup season as a 17 year old, um, what do you think he can expect? Like if there's, are there any like broad things that you're planning on passing on to him or things that might be unexpected that he's going to be facing? Um, I, I think the main thing is that at that age, you want to do everything and you think that you have all the energy in the world and there's some things that are prioritized. So, Obviously, him going to the World Cups as a junior is going to be the the main priority for the season, and doing other races outside of that, or doing um, like this year he did enduro at a couple of races, and at national champs he uh, he did enduro and downhill, and by the downhill race he you could tell he was pretty smoked from doing all the racing. So <laughs> he did it and he pulled it off and he won both his races. But um, I just hope to like give him some experience on like prioritizing those things and taking time when you need it. And you don't need to ride for, from sunup till sundown. Um, you know, you can, you can, you can take the time when you need it to, to rest and recover. And, uh, yeah, I think when you're that age, you, you think you need to do everything. And, um, like he wants to do whip off and then he wants to yeah. go on the jump trail with his buddies. And then he wants to make sure that if there's a two hour practice, he can get at least eight laps of practice and the season pros that he's racing against are doing two. And that's a lot of ways what sharpens your skills. Like it's what makes you so good by you, you progress so quick by doing that. But, um, he's gotten himself to a really high level and I hope to just like, keep everything calm so that he can do his best in every race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And then, you know, on top of all that, we see a few weeks ago, he's like throwing flips and three sixties and in the desert at, at rampage. He definitely seems to be passionate about all kinds of bikes right now. Um, I guess kind of the last thing I'm curious about is just, um, what it's like to be in your position as a mentor at this point. Like, what are you, what are you getting out of this? Um, other than the fact that, you know, you're the owner of the team and of frameworks and having such a talent on your bikes and equipment is, is an advantage, but just personally, um, what are you getting out of kind of this mentorship relationship at this point? Uh, I didn't ever realize how emotional it would be when somebody that you care about does so well. Um, but I think it was that first race this spring when he qualified first and he was ahead of Gwyn and Luca who are all getting ready to go race the world cup the next week. And I was like, look, buddy, just do the same thing you did. Like I, I try when I give him advice to not overwhelm him. Like it's easy to try to tell too many people, tell people too many things at once and it's actually mm-hmm. a detriment. So I try to only um give him small bits of wisdom when i when i need to but um when he when he qualified first he came down and bettered his time and beat aaron by two seconds and i was like almost had a tear in my eye what he what he wanted i was so (laughs) proud of him 
And he repeated that several times when he won races this year that I, I was able to watch him from far. And I guess when you're racing, you can feel how the race is going. And when you come to the finish line, you expect the result that you get. But when you're watching from the finish, you don't feel any of that until at a downhill race, you cross the line. And when he crossed the line with such a good position, I was just so proud of him. And not, not from a perspective of my team or being the team owner, but just that, you know, we were hanging out together all weekend and talking about the race and what he had hoped to accomplish. And then him being able to exceed his own expectations was like such a cool feeling. And for him to do that was just as good or, or even better of a feeling sometimes than doing it yourself. Cause when you do it yourself, like I said, you, you expect it, the result that you get. And when somebody else does it, you're just like, so happy for them. So yeah, it's honestly, uh, it's such a pleasure, as I said, to work with him. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think these opportunities come around very often. So I really want to take advantage of it and, um, be there to do the best I can to, share some of the things that I learned because I've made a lot of mistakes through my career. I've been in good spots and done it right and been there and done it wrong. And I would hope to just give him some of the lessons that I've learned along the way when he needs them. But at the same time, I don't want to say too much because he's doing it all so well already. Yeah. Just let him be himself is the main thing. That's awesome, man. That's so good to hear. Uh, And it did remind me of one more thing I was curious about. And then we'll let you go. Um, you've been around, obviously, uh, a lot of these veterans of the of the DH circuit for a while. You know, whether it's Greg or Aaron or um, Luca, whoever. And I have to assume you get to you get to know their personalities pretty well. Um, I'm just curious whether you've noticed anything about the way that they're reacting to Asa, kind of bursting on the scene because he was he was describing how cool zinc and kyle Strait were at rampage for example where they you know came over to him apparently cam was like hey i know who you are and he came over and like gave him this big hug and asa was just floored he was like oh my god that was the coolest thing ever um but like is there like what's the vibe like because obviously jackson has done something kind of similarly where he's super young comes in um Within the scene, like what is the what is the kind of chatter been like behind the scenes as Asa sort of starts to stamp his stamp his name? I I've noticed that everybody sees the talent that he has, um, and most people are are stoked for it. Like especially us kind of veteran U.S. riders are really proud to have another fast American kid coming in to carry the torch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some guys like Luca's younger than me or um, Dakota, they are currently racing him. And like when he beats me, I'm super proud, happy for him. But I know that those guys don't like it. Nobody likes to get beat yeah. by a 16 year old kid. Richie didn't like it to get beat by a 16 year old kid. <laughs> but they, they still respect it because he did it. He was, he hung out with them all day was just one of them and put down a faster time. So all you can do is respect that. And he's gotten nothing but respect from those guys, which has been super cool. And I think the biggest thing to create some chatter on the World Cup was at Snowshoe, he got uh, like a a course sweep 
number plate and was able to do, I think, only four runs because you're supposed to be, I think you're supposed to be 18 to be able to do it. But <laughs> they, the course was so gnarly that none of their medics wanted to do the course sweep. So they asked. <laughs> no way. I was trying to get Asa in before the before the race started because I, I did it when I was 16 at Mount St. Anne in Bromont. And yeah. the snowshoe people said, no, he has to be 18. And then on the morning of, they're like, hey, none of our guys want to actually ride the course. So <laughs> if he wants to do it, he can. So he got four laps in and um, some other team managers actually complained because they thought he was getting like an unfair advantage. I think when Finn was a junior, Specialized took him to all the races while he was 16 so he could pre-run the tracks. And then they they made this rule about it. Or at least like, I don't know if it's a real written rule, but they want them to be not doing that. And uh, so he got four laps. And I thought it was actually good that the team managers complained because it showed that he was like actually out there ripping. And on every one of uh, Jack Moyer was doing like the – the raw videos he was like dude course sweep is the fastest through the section and on pink bike they did one of those like line compare comparison videos with ben cathro and asa with the yeah. number plate c course sweep was the fastest through one of the gnarly sections and everybody else no rode the before and he was only on his second practice run and he's just like Second run, he's doing timed runs. Like he's got his GoPro running and he wants to see what his time is going to be compared to the guys qualifying later that day. So after that, then it was like all the hype that people have maybe heard his name once he was there on the World Cup and like his competitor, like guys that are been on the circuit are on the side of the track checking the line and he comes through faster than everybody else. That really set it in stone that he has what it takes. And and that's kind of what I described him having the, the, the technical background. He, on a World Cup track, like snowshoe World Cup track with grease on it, is way harder than any of the other tracks that he really had a chance to race. And that's where he was able to take it to the next level and really set mm-hmm. himself apart when the track gets so difficult. So. Yeah, the chatter is uh, is pretty set in stone now after after that one. That's a great story. That's so cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that one. Sweet man. Well, I can't wait for the season to start now. I'm. I mean, I watch every downhill round anyway. But um, man, I'm going to be glued at this point. Um, well, thanks for uh, thanks for doing what you're doing with them. You know, all of us here in Durango are obviously already super proud and. Um, just grateful that he has such an awesome mentor to to learn from and it'll be really cool to see what you guys do together next year yeah man i'm really looking forward to it and i just always try to make it known that it's it's him i don't want to take the credit or say that it was the bike because like this kid could do this it's it's all his talent and i'm just really lucky to be able to be a part of it that's cool man well Thanks for taking the time at uh, such short notice and uh, we'll have to catch up properly at some point soon to hear about all of your projects and more crazy stories from, from the racing. Sounds good. Thank you. Hello again, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from both Asa and Nico. Um, I also want to say a big thank you to Lily McKelvin for editing and producing each and every one of these shows. I really want to say a thank you to all of y'all that have been following along on the socials. We've been having fun over there. 
Uh, plenty of video clips going up from this interview with Asa. And as always, stay tuned on Friday for our fun little weekly quizzes. We'll be sending out a pair of free socks to one lucky winner each week, as always. And until next week, hope you have a good week. Uh, I've really been enjoying some off-season time. I'm actually headed to the Caribbean next week. Um, we weren't really sure whether we were going to do a proper vacation so to speak, just because being home feels like such a vacation and such a breath of fresh air. But I think sitting on a beach for a little while will be a nice delineation between last year and this year and make sure they don't bleed together like uh, like can be the case. This job can certainly become around the clock and around the year, 365 days a year, doing my best to unplug. But conversations like today where we're talking about the 2024 World Cup schedule definitely have me pretty excited. Looking forward to next year already. Anyway, Uh, Thank you all so much for listening as always, and we will catch you next week.